much like this podcast, what I have learned is the more time I spend tracking my food, the better I get at it. And in this case, I mean faster, right? Like that's the big thing. That's usually people's biggest gripe with food tracking. It's slow, it's tedious. I'm spending a lot of time doing it. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. And that's the same thing with getting into the gym. You just have to get over that hump of putting your shoes on, making the decision, structuring your day so that you actually block out the time to get yourself there. And then other ways we make it easier is having support, having some kind of plan in place, whether that is working with a coach or in this case of the podcast, having the opportunity to be able to walk in the studio and having help with the cameras being set up, knowing that I've got an editor who will help me edit things and make sure it sounds the way that we want it to sound but also recognizing that it doesn't have to be perfect in order for us to share information with the world. And that's just taking time of doing it over and over and over again and realizing that messy action and immediate action, which I'm alluding to the second thing that I've learned through podcasting for 100 episodes, is what you need to really make your nutrition and fitness an actual lifestyle. Let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. What is up, Fix listeners? Welcome to our latest episode of the Fix podcast, episode 100. We've officially hit triple digits. I am so happy to be able to say that into the mic as I record this. And it's just really cool to be at this point. In thinking about what I wanted to share inside of this episode and some of the lessons that we've learned along the way, I took the time to be able to reflect on everything that's gotten us to this point, how much the podcast has evolved over the course of the last two and a half, we're like right at that two and a half year mark almost, if you're listening to this on the day that it drops, which is May 11th, 2023. And as I've shared with friends, family, other listeners of the show, when I've mentioned that we're nearing episode 100, it is just so cool for people to say, wow, I can't believe you've been at it for that long. And it's cool because it actually feels like we've only been doing it for five minutes. And so much of that has to do with the fact that I just love doing this. It's really been a full circle kind of moment to, even from the day I made the decision to start recording this podcast, never necessarily saw myself as a podcaster, but I do always think back to my 15, 16 year old self who was dead set I'm being a journalist and interviewing people and asking questions. And I really feel like this was the part of my story that although I didn't necessarily know it would take the shape that it has over the course of the last two and a half years, for me, you know, hindsight being 2020, you look back on it and you're like, okay, this all makes so much sense. So couple of things I want to share before we get into this episode because we have two really, really exciting announcements. If you know me, you know the Fix brand. You know how much I'm passionate about podcasting, clearly, even if you don't know me and you just figured that out in the last 90 seconds. Obviously, love doing this. 
We wanted to celebrate this episode in a big way and celebrate this milestone in a big way because that's actually something that I've learned through podcasting, taking the time to celebrate yourself. But I'll get into that in a couple minutes. And we're doing that, like I said, in two ways. The first is that I'm using this episode to officially announce that the Fix podcast has a YouTube channel. So I have been sitting on this YouTube channel for easily like coming up on a year. Um, Literally, when I say sitting on it, we were uploading the episodes in the background. And for whatever reason, me being my perfectionist self that I am, I didn't want to drop any of the episodes until I felt like there was the right time to do it. There is no right time to do anything. I talk about this all the time when it comes to potential clients and current clients, fitness and nutrition journeys. So I'm using this as an excuse basically, but I'm using it as an excuse because we actually shout out to my editor, Tony, have been quietly dropping these episodes on YouTube over the course of the last several weeks. We did have to go back and do some editing of some older episodes and things like that to be able to get ourselves ready because I wanted all the previous episodes to be in order. So I say all that to say, if you are somebody who normally listens to the show, I know a lot of you listeners out there like to enjoy the fix while you're out on your walks since I'm so big on encouraging getting your steps in, getting outside, using that for stress management. Keep doing your thing. But if you are someone who prefers to visually see what's going on with the show, then I would encourage you to check out some new links that are now down in the show notes for our YouTube channel. Not to mention, if you haven't seen on social media over the course of the last several months, we have totally upgraded to this beautiful studio that I'm currently sitting in right now. So why not enjoy the podcast by being able to look at it too? Shout out to our friends at Black Swallowtail for this amazing setup that we get to enjoy every single week. So with all that, definitely encourage everybody to start checking out the YouTube channel. We've got a few subscribers over there. Would love to see some more and looking forward to diving into more content and just taking up some more space on the internet, trying to share all of this, what I obviously think is great information about nutrition and fitness and then really supporting other people to bring their stories to life, to let them use their voices and share their platform and share their stories to hopefully inspire some of you listeners out there. So now we get to do it in another medium. So that's one big announcement. The second big announcement is for all of our Fitness Fix fans out there, anybody who has ever thought about nutrition coaching, if you've been listening for a little bit, especially over the course of our last like seven or eight episodes, if you go back a few episodes, if you're new here and you want to learn exactly what we do inside of the Fitness Fix program, go back to our first couple of episodes, starting with episode 92, which I'll also link in the show notes. And you can hear about the four phases of our program. But in addition to that, If you really, really want to take your chance at joining as a Fitness Fix client, we have a brand new offering to our coaching services. We are, as of June 1st, so if you're listening to this the day that it drops, we got about two and a half weeks to go, starting our first ever group coaching program. It's going to be called the Fitness Fix Membership. And inside of that program, it's still a six-month commitment like we ask for our one-on-one coaching, and I can get into the reasons why, but the short version is 
in that time, you are going to experience travel, holidays, birthdays, have a few roadblocks, and still have the support system you need from our amazing coaching staff to be able to navigate those life events and learn how to make your nutrition a part of your life versus feeling like you're putting them in two separate boxes. But it is a slightly lower cost option into our nutrition coaching, which is amazing because we are here to try to help as many people as possible. And if that's been a barrier to entry for you, if we've had conversations in the past and you haven't felt ready to make that investment, this is your sign. This is your time to do it. If you want to learn more about it, I would love to welcome as many of you as we can into the group. We are going to keep it a little bit on the smaller side, especially for this first round here. One, to make sure that everybody has the best experience possible, but two, so that it can still be an intimate and safe space for you to learn more about one, yourself, but two, exactly what you need to do to finally lose the weight for good. We will still be sharing custom macronutrient protocols and helping you navigate everything from how to get the most out of MyFitnessPal to how to actually set goals for yourself in a structured way, in a timeline that's realistic, and again, most importantly, helps you truly make this a lifestyle. So if you want to learn more about it, head to the show notes. There's an application in there for you to fill out. It does officially kick off on June 1st. The biggest difference with this program compared to our one-on-one program is that it will have an open and shut start date. So if you don't join by June 1st, we'll probably extend it just a couple of days. But if you don't join by June 1st, you will have to wait until the next round to be involved in this program. So obviously six months down the line, that'll be into the fall, if not early winter if we plan to do them back to back, which I'm sure we will, because I think it's going to be a ton of fun. And our coaching staff, Alyssa, Kara, and myself, we're very excited about launching this program. But really, really, we already have a couple people signed up. It's a great group that's forming. And we've got some amazing content to be able to share with you guys. We will have monthly group meetings outside of the custom macros that our coaching staff will be delivering to you. And it'll all be a great experience synced up through our coaching app that we use with our one-on-one clients too. So looking forward to getting that started. And again, this is our official announcement to the public. So if you want to learn more, just fill out the application link that's in the show notes and we can hop on a call and chat about it and see if it is the right fit for you. So with that said, celebrating episode 100 with those two big announcements, YouTube and the Fitness Fix membership program, I again really wanted to think about where we've been, where we're going, and all of the in-between. And the in-between to me, because of course I'm going to draw the parallels to fitness and nutrition when I think about podcasting and I think about our growth and evolution of the Fix podcast, the in-between is really the most important part. The fitness and nutrition analogy of that is the process, right? It's the process of what we're doing behind the scenes to put these episodes together down from planning episodes, getting guests, booking the studio, writing the show notes, which we often do at the very last minute. And that's just usually the way it goes. Creating posts for social media, writing the content for that, picking out our favorite quotes, sharing that with all of you listeners, and then continuing to promote the show, building things like the YouTube channel. There would be no podcast if we didn't have an appreciation for all of the meat and potatoes that go into creating it. Much in the same way that when it comes to a desired goal that you have, like losing 10 pounds, dropping 5% body fat, feeling confident in your bathing suit as we come up on Memorial Day in just a couple of weeks, whatever that goal is, where we really actually achieve it 
is in all the stuff that we have to do to get there. The actions, the deliberate choices that we make on a regular basis to be able to become that person who has already lost the weight or in this case is the podcast host that they envision in their mind. So for those of you who are newer here, I don't know that you've necessarily listened to all of the episodes of the Fix podcast in order because you don't necessarily need to, but this show has really changed a lot. And I would say more so even in the last seven months compared to the first year that I started. And one of the reasons why that is, is just because when I first started podcasting, I wasn't exactly sure where this was really going to fit in. I just knew that I felt like I had a lot to say. I like to talk and I figured, oh, well, maybe I have a little bit of an advantage here because I have a journalism degree. I know how to ask decent questions and it would be cool to be able to help other people share their story. So in the beginning, we were heavily relying on a lot of guest interviews and different things like that. And then over time, as the fitness fix, as a coaching business has really grown, my relationship to the podcast, the role that the podcast plays in that has also really changed. And much of that has to do with the fact that I'm able to have more hands-on experience with more clients and pull on the challenges and the real world problems that they're actually facing when it comes to trying so many different things to change their relationship to food, to finally lose that weight, and again, to just feel so much better about themselves and do it in a way that they can stick to, that's just grown. And the more people that I've been able to work with, that I've been lucky enough to have them trust me with their fitness and their nutrition and look to me for that guidance, this has become a really cool platform to take a step back, look at all of the different challenges or a lot of the same challenges, I should say, that people are facing and then be able to have a space to talk about it in a way that whether you are a formal client of The Fitness Fix or are just a listener who likes to consume this content, maybe, just maybe, you'll have a little piece of the blueprint to be able to do this on your own and you'll show up and become a different person. And if that takes one episode, if it takes 50, if it takes 100, just to know that we had a little bit of an impact on your health and wellness means the absolute world to me. But also I know I speak on behalf of the entire Fitness Fix team when I say that. So it's just been really great to be able to see how, okay, I started with this one idea and it's grown and it's taken different shapes and it's going to continue to evolve. But And thinking about all of that, I also wanted to take a step back and think about, well, how did we even get to this point in the first place? What were the thought processes and the decisions that we made to even get here? So I actually took some notes to prepare for this episode because I wanted to be really clear on everything. And for those of you who know me or have heard me say this before, if I've talked to you off air, I usually ad lib a lot of these podcast episodes. But for this one, I wanted to be super intentional. And I'm also going to share some Q&A at the very end. So I had about six or seven. We'll see if we can get to all of them. I'll go for at least three or four of them. Uh, questions that were submitted by a few of you guys via Instagram. So thank you to those of you who did that. So I have those here. But before we get into that half of it, I wanted to talk about my four big takeaways of how we've been able to get to episode 100. And the first one 
has a lot to do with what I just alluded to about not being a perfectionist and talking about some of my flaws around not wanting to launch a YouTube channel and coming up with reasons of, oh, we should just wait. We shouldn't do it right now. We need to get some other things in place or I feel too busy to make that happen. That is number one. And that's actually wrapped up in this idea of just taking messy action and going for it. That's something that I've seen change in myself so much as we've gone through the show. I can think back to late December of 2020 when I was deciding to do this. And at the time I was like, okay, I have to have like at least five episodes already lined up, which was helpful because then you're not scrambling the night before like we do sometimes to get the next episode out. But I was like, I need to have at least five episodes ready to go. I want to make sure that I've picked the most perfect guests to go with. There is no perfect guest. There's so many amazing people out there with so much to say and so much knowledge that, again, we've been lucky to be able to connect with those people and actually use podcasting to be able to connect with them. But there were just so many things that I was like, I need to check all these boxes in order to be able to start this thing. And I realize now that a lot of that, one, it has to do with your ego. And it's actually a little bit, you'll hear about this in an upcoming podcast episode for The Fix, it's a little bit of your own self-sabotage happening because you're trying to protect yourself from something that's unfamiliar. Yes, I have experience and knowledge that I acquired as early as high school in taking journalism courses and then doing the same thing in college but and having internships in that space, but it's not the same as actually going out there and doing it. And I realize now that one of the best things that I've gotten out of this is, you know, I was just joking about it not even 30 seconds ago, but one of the reasons why I think I've been able to ad-lib so much of the Fitness Fix or the, the Fix content, even the Fitness Fix too, when we do our group coaching calls and I come up with a theme and I just kind of run with it is because I put my reps in every single week recording. That is 100% analogous to the same roadblocks you have that are keeping you from getting into the gym on a regular basis or, or keeping you from, let's say, tracking your food. You guys who've been here for a while, you know that we're really big on food tracking and see it as a very, very valuable tool. And nine times out of 10, whether you're in our program or you're considering our program, at some point you're going to be hit with the thought, I don't feel like tracking my food. I struggle with that all the time, even as somebody who's done it for five, six plus years at this point, I've lost track. And I do it on and off. It's not to say it's something I do every single day. But much like this podcast, what I have learned is the more time I spend tracking my food, the better I get at it. And in this case, I mean faster, right? Like that's the big thing. That's usually people's biggest gripe with food tracking. It's slow. It's tedious. I'm spending a lot of time doing it. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. And that's the same thing with getting into the gym. You just have to get over that hump of putting your shoes on, making the decision, structuring your day so that you actually block out the time to get yourself there. And then other ways we make it easier is having support, having some kind of plan in place, whether that is working with a coach or in this case of the podcast, having the opportunity to be able to walk in the studio and having help with the cameras being set up, knowing that I've got an editor who will help me edit things and make sure it sounds the way that we want it to sound but also recognizing that it doesn't have to be perfect in order for us to share information with the world. And that's just taking time of doing it over and over and over again and realizing that messy action 
and immediate action, which I'm alluding to the second thing that I've learned through podcasting for 100 episodes, is what you need to really make your nutrition and fitness an actual lifestyle. Because there's never going to be a perfect time to decide that you really want to lose weight. Are there certain points in the year where it's a little bit easier? Probably. Like if I had to pick a time of year that maybe universally is a little bit easier for a lot of people, let's call it sometime between like February. And I'll pick February versus January because people still fall off their goals coming into February. But let's say like February up until Memorial Day. I pick that as like the perfect time because there are probably fewer opportunities of travel depending on what your personal life looks like. Maybe you're just not quite as busy. I could come up with reasons why maybe that's a really busy time of year for work for you. Like it's it really depends on the person. But overall, there's never going to be a perfect time to make the commitment because your life's just going to keep happening again and again and again and again. So that's something I've really learned through podcasting is just saying, hey, like, Let's just do it and stop tying this expectation of perfection and stop saying to ourselves, well, if it's not done this way, I can't do it at all. Because if we made that decision and we decided to take a break from podcasting for a couple of months, there is multiple consequences associated with that. But the biggest consequence is the fact that there's information that we're holding on to here There's experiences that we're having between our coaching staff, our clients that I'm having in my own life that I am then not able to share with somebody who might really need to hear it. And to me, leading from a place of service, that's a big cost that is on the line. And if you are truly committed to making a difference in people's lives, nobody notices the ums and the ahs and the things like that. And I can laugh about that now as I think back to the first maybe 15 episodes that we recorded for the Fix podcast, there's a part of me that doesn't want to go back and listen to them because I'm sure I would cringe because we've made a lot of progress since then. But one of the reasons why I'm laughing and reminiscing about this is because I think back to all the notes that I would put on those episodes of things I wanted to cut. I would literally spend hours listening to every episode and we'd upload them to Dropbox before I'd have, at the time, we actually had somebody else editing it. But shout out to my friend Dom who encouraged me to start this podcast and also helped me with editing for a little while. And I would painstakingly, painstakingly for him, comment every single timestamp, cut this, cut that part. Like sometimes it was 30 seconds here and there. Sometimes it was just because I said, um, a few times. It doesn't matter. You get better as you go. And again, I've built more confidence in this just by getting my reps in and realizing that nobody notices those things to the degree that you do. And I'm glad that I did that because looking back, I would learn, oh, what are my ticks or idiosyncrasies or things that I want to change and then figure out how that's something we'll move away from is much in the same way that there's power in tracking your food because Taking the time to sit there and listen or go for a walk and listen allowed me to learn what do I want to do differently. That's what we see when we map out our entire day and look at, okay, how did the choices I made from this meal at breakfast, how is that going to impact my lunch or my dinner? Self-awareness is so powerful and it's something that we've really been able to, that I feel I've really been able to harness through the podcast. But I say we because 
my editor and I were just talking about this this morning and us saying, okay, what are some of the things we've learned together through this time? And it's definitely saying, hey, there's nothing wrong with holding yourself to a high standard, but recognizing if we wanted to tweak and edit a little bit differently, it is not to the end of the world and just something to put into our back pocket for next time. And that's my reminder for anybody out there who feels like, oh, I've had yet another weekend where I went out, I drank all the things, I ate all the things, I made decisions that I'm not necessarily that proud of. The best choice you can make is to just move on from it and do better next time. And that's what we think about every time we produce another podcast episode from week to week. So that's been a really great lesson. The second lesson is this idea of taking immediate action. And when I think back to conversations I was having about starting the podcast, I actually did this part pretty quickly. I was at a point in my life where I was thinking about, okay, what do I want to do next? And again, having the experience, having the education in this subject area, I thought it was a natural progression to make, but I didn't necessarily know, okay, like what do I want to talk about and that sort of thing. But as soon as I talked to a couple people and realized the only thing I really needed to do to get started was to buy a microphone, I was like, cool, let's go do it. And I'm really, really glad I did that because I had no expectations. I didn't set this goal of saying we have to get to 100 episodes and then we'll see if we like it. I was just like, let's do it. I feel like we have something to say. And I'm very proud of that because that's probably something that I don't think my Ver- my 25 version 25 year old version of myself would have been okay with doing I've always been a very very calculated person but in my experience of podcasting like I was saying with this whole concept of messy action I've really kind of gotten away from that and I've seen that taking immediate action and just committing to a decision and sticking to it has been so powerful and so effective with the podcast because when it comes to podcasting, one of the things that can really set you apart as a podcaster is just simply being consistent with it. Not to bore you guys with the statistics, but I think it's something like I should have double checked this before I started recording. Something like less than 3% of podcasts even make it past episode 30-something. So the fact that we got to 100 is an awesome accomplishment, but I can see why that happens. Like you start something, maybe you feel like you just lose steam with it, and that's okay if you do, but I said one of my favorite words in there, consistency. There's so much power in consistency when it comes to podcasting, when it comes to marketing through social media. One of the ways that you get rewarded is by being consistent. And in this case of getting rewarded, that's obviously getting this message out to as many people as possible. And I've seen how much the podcast and the listenership and the support of the podcast has grown just exponentially in the last few months. And it's interesting because we went from only recording two episodes a month and producing every other week back to monthly in that time, like about two months ago-ish. And I've seen how consistent people have been listening to the show. So thank you to everybody out there because we appreciate the fact that you're continually tuning in because that helps us again help more of you. And it's been something where even when we decided to go back to weekly episodes, we were like, let's just do it. Has my schedule been a little bit crazy with making it happen? Yes, but I'm so glad because I enjoy this hour, hour and a half plus that I get to spend either sharing information from my solo episodes or getting to meet and connect with somebody new. Now, my third lesson that I've kind of learned is kind of like a sub lesson to the first two that I've said. And 
it's really wrapped in, well, how have we been able to take messy action and take immediate action? And that's because we've had structure. And in the case of the podcast, the structure that we've had in place is Tony and I have a formula for how we lay out every single episode on a weekly basis. We have an understanding that we've established over time that sometimes we still go back and forth on a lot of texts every single week to figure out what the most important quotes were from that episode. And that way, if we need to pivot, if we need to make a change, if we need to switch the order of episodes or something like that, or if we realize after we've put the whole thing together that there was something we wanted to tweak, it's gotten to a point where it's so much faster for us to be able to do that. So we're okay with making some decisions at what we would call the last minute. And that is so applicable to nutrition, especially with food tracking, because one of the things we preach hard inside of the Fitness Fix program is pre-planning your meals to guarantee that you will hit your macro goals. And something I see with new clients all the time is they're a little bit afraid to cement in stone in their MyFitnessPal tracker, oh, this is what I'm planning on eating for the day. But you're not cementing anything in there because you have the flexibility to change it. You're just helping yourself make one less decision in the moment when you're being reactive to other things, when you might be dealing with other stressors in your day, because you have this plan that you laid out for yourself either the night before or the morning of. And if plans change, you can change that right along with it. So the third lesson is the power of structure, but also being okay with flexibility. And I think I've personally gotten better at being flexible because I've relied on structure to create that flexibility in my life. And what I mean by that is the fact that anytime we consider making a change, we're not saying, hey, like we need to go back and completely redesign this car. We're just considering changing one tire. And there is definitely a shift with that that I've seen in my own nutrition over the last two and a half years and my fitness too, because I used to be so convinced I have to train this exact certain way. Really, it was just because it was all I knew and what I was familiar with. Or I have to eat a certain list of foods for whatever reason. And mostly it was because those were kind of like my go-to foods. And I had to rethink the way I was training, rethink the way I was recovering, and just start to open my mind up a little bit more to different options and being flexible and saying, hey, like when my day doesn't go as planned, where's my structure? My structure is that I have three different types of protein already prepped in my fridge that I can grab and they're ready to go because then I won't make that reactive decision when I'm really hangry and ordering something out sounds a whole lot better than whatever it is that I still need to prep, even if that prep might only take 20 minutes. We all know when we're having a long day or we're stressed out or something like that, we're human and that's the option we tend to lean on. So that's something we teach inside of the program and it's important to recognize that that applies to all our areas of your life. It should also show you that if you are able to do that in other areas of your life, say take your job, for example, if you have certain structure, or certain schedule that you follow at work, who is not to say that you can't take that same approach and then apply it to food? 
often an analogy I hear inside of the nutrition space in particular is when it comes to looking at macros like a budget. I think that's something I love because it's something I love because I think it's kind of easy to understand. But what's always really fascinating is people are willing to look at their budget and willing to look at, oh, like I had this credit card bill this month that was really high. Why was it actually high? You're not just going to go pay it. You're going to start looking through it. So if you're willing to take the time to do something like that, what is stopping you from doing the same thing when it comes to your food? And that's something when it comes to podcasting, we've continually revisited the process. Probably something we should even do more of. So Tony, as you're listening to this, let's make some time to do that. But really being able to get clear on what are the basics? Like what are the bare minimum sort of things that we have to hit? In the case of podcasting, we always wanna make sure things sound clear, that it's easy to follow, that we're communicating effectively, and then of course publishing it on time. And then being able to just kind of rinse and repeat with those things. Having exact guidelines for the brand has allowed us to just throw things in and then test other things out too, like doing more solo episodes. Originally, I started doing that out of just necessity of having a busy schedule and not always being able to coordinate with a guest. But what's been awesome about it is, again, like I said in the very first lesson that I shared. The more I've done it, the more I've gotten my reps in, the more comfortable I've gotten with it. But overall, it's now something where we can say, okay, every single month we're going to have X number of solo episodes. But if something changes, if we're able to coordinate something with a guest, we can kind of plug and play and switch things around and keep going from there. The same thing applies to your food. So those are my top three. And I got one more. And then I'm going to save the last couple of minutes here to answer some of your ask me anything questions from Instagram. And the last one I have alluded to throughout this, but it is the idea that you can't do any of this alone. So I've shouted out a few of the people that have helped over the course of this and you, the listeners, showing up every single week and listening to the podcast Obviously, there'd be no podcast without that. I mean, there could be. And I just keep going until somebody started listening. But specifically, the lesson is surrounding yourself with people that you know are willing to work as hard as you and are willing to get in the trenches with you when you have a 10 p.m. realization that something's wrong in the episode and I need to reach out and send a text and say, hey, can we change this thing? It is so much easier when you're aligned with someone who cares as much as you do because it's not just checking a box to them. And that's the relationship I see with a good coach, emphasis on a good coach in your life when it comes to your nutrition and your fitness. You can keep going, and I say this myself as somebody who has a coach, being a coach, I could technically do this whole thing on my own. I could keep going and and when it comes to my own nutrition, I know enough, but I also know my weaknesses about myself. And I know that I appreciate having somebody holding me accountable. So that's why I continue to work with a nutrition coach. And similar to this idea of weaknesses, I also know that when it comes to podcasting, I love turning the mic on and jumping on camera and talking through these things, but I don't love the editing process. So I save that to somebody who likes it a lot better than me, and can also do it a lot faster than me. So your success can be catapulted 
when it comes to losing body fat, leading a healthier lifestyle, when you look to somebody who maybe knows a little bit more about it than you, but has also developed a system that you can then apply to your own life. So I would ask you to ask yourself, if you really have an outcome that you want to reach, and it's not working for you on your own, or there's a piece of you that's like, I want to do this, but I really want to do it a little bit faster. That's the power of having a team. And in the case, again, of your nutrition and fitness, that's the power of having a coach. In the case of producing the show, that's the power of having everybody on the behind the scenes team and helping you make it happen every single week. And I literally couldn't imagine running this podcast by myself. So for those of you who do it, people who do their own editing and everything. I have, when I come across a podcaster who does that, I have so much respect for you because I know how much time it takes. And that just shows that you are dedicated to your craft too, which is awesome. So those are my lessons. And before we wrap this up, before we wrap up episode 100 and then continue on until 101 and 102 and beyond, I wanted to answer some questions that came in from you guys. So here are a few. Okay. First one I'm going to start with, I'm actually going to combine two questions. So somebody submitted a question to me asking me to walk through a full day of eating or to provide some examples of what I typically eat in a day. And then as the sub question to that, somebody else asked me what my ideal breakfast buffet plate looks like. So I'm actually going to put them together because I absolutely love breakfast food. I could literally eat breakfast for every single meal, particularly love eggs. And I also love French toast. So I will share that. But I am going to say one thing. I purposely did not want to answer the first question on a full day of eating in too much detail. And here's why. I think that the whole here's a full day of eating and some of those videos that we see on Instagram is a bit of a double-edged sword because I'm a different person. I might have different goals. I might have a very different activity level than some of the people who are watching those things. So what I will say is this. One, to answer the question about the breakfast buffet, it's got to have some type of pancake waffle or French toast on it and then 100% eggs. But two, Those also represent a very basic formula that I follow when it comes to putting my day together. And that is this. Every single time I make a plate, it has to have or put a meal together, a protein, a carb, and a fat. And I've done other episodes where I've talked about this, especially if you're somebody who's new to tracking their food and you might feel a little bit intimidated by the process. If as step number one, you can begin to define what foods fall into those three categories, it becomes that much easier to really understand what foods are going to help you get to where you want to go. In terms of my actual calories or my breakdown of those three categories, I won't share those numbers, but I will say that I am somebody who, in an effort to kind of get rid of some of the bad, and I put bad in quotes because I don't believe that foods are inherently bad or good, foods and have you think that I don't eat them. Clearly, I'm somebody that likes carbs since I mentioned French toast. And I'm actually not kidding. I do pretty much have French toast every single day. And my reason behind that is because I look at it this way. I get to have bread, which I love, and then I'm just literally dipping it in egg. So that's extra protein. So why not kill two birds with one stone right there? So I do have that. I also eat a ton of fruits and vegetables. I think fiber is really, really underrated. There are more and more people talking about it, but there's not enough people who are paying attention to their digestion 
question. And it blows my mind sometimes when people talk about the fact that they're not going to the bathroom every single day. You should. This is a PSA to say that you should be going to the bathroom every single day. And if you feel like you're stuck with your weight to some degree and you're not paying attention to what's happening there, we have really what I'll call low-hanging fruit to be able to resolve to help you lead a healthier lifestyle. And then, of course, protein. I rely a ton on egg whites. Um, That's a go-to for me because it's a lean protein option. And again, I mentioned it three times now that I do love eggs. I could literally eat them for any meal. And then I really... When it comes to protein, I'm always looking for something that's quick. So I definitely cook a lot of ground beef because I can season it, do tacos, things that are very versatile. If I'm in a crunch, something I always have in my fridge as a staple is turkey deli meat because you can literally just roll it up and take it on the go. What else? Um, Rotisserie chicken is one that I recommend to clients a lot. And in the last few months, keeping on that whole digestion theme, I probably cut this food out a little bit, but when it comes to protein sources, another good one is Greek yogurt or cottage cheese. I've just found that reducing dairy a little bit in my diet has really helped me and my digestion. Although it's not to say, again, not that it's bad for you, but it's definitely something that you kind of want to watch and see how your body responds to it. I also absolutely love dessert. So if I was going to share a true full day of eating, you bet that there is probably some variation of a dessert in there. And then, of course, it would include coffee. Shout out to my assistant coaches, Kara and Alyssa, who got me, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, this awesome sweatshirt that I absolutely love. It says on the rocks for those of you who can see it. And it's a cup of iced coffee. That's a non-negotiable for me, too. And if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you know, I ask every guest about their go to coffee order. And if you didn't know why, that's the reason why, because I love coffee a lot. So hopefully that kind of answers the person's question who submitted that. If you're looking for more ideas on different recipes and things to eat, we do have a free online community and a really cool app called Geneva that you are welcome to join. So reach out to me if you want some recipe inspo. Our clients are constantly posting in there and it's just really fun to see. And I even get some good recipe ideas in there too. So that's those two questions. Now, a third question I got that I thought was an interesting one was, What are the best foods to eat while drinking alcohol? Should it be protein or should I focus on lower fat options? Now, I'm going to say this. If I were to really boil this down, there isn't necessarily one food that's going to be the best to consume at the same time that you're drinking. I will keep it simple in saying this. Understand from a scientific level that what's happening to your body when you consume alcohol and from like a metabolism standpoint, I should say, is keep in mind that alcohol is a toxin. So essentially, and again, I'm simplifying this a little bit. Let's say you have some kind of drink, doesn't matter what. And then you were to also eat a piece of chicken at the same time. Because alcohol is a toxin, your liver and the rest of your body gets really, really busy trying to metabolize that alcohol that it doesn't really know what to do with the chicken or whatever it is that you're consuming at the same time. And it's not to say that you're not going to metabolize it. It's just going to take a little bit longer for that to happen. So if I were to pick what's the best choice and I'm looking at this from like a true calories in versus calories out and understanding macros perspective, I do typically encourage clients to say to themselves, let me take a step back and think about this in advance. 
When our fitness fix clients track their alcohol intake, and this is up for debate, some coaches do it different ways. We do it one of two ways. It's either tracking it as for one drink, 30 grams of carbohydrates, or 10 grams of carbohydrates and 10 grams of fat. And that's really just to inflate the alcohol equivalent, like what the calories actually add up to, because there are no macros in alcohol. We like to joke that alcohol is like the fourth macro. Um, it has no nutrition value, again, because it's a toxin. So if we're thinking about it from a macros perspective, chances are if you'd like to fit a few drinks into your day and into your routine, well, you might want to be smart, let's call it, because you're budgeting for that to fit and rely on higher protein options, specifically leaner protein options, because that's the way, and again, putting this in quotes, going to get it to fit. But the reason why I put a lot of this in quotes is because what ultimately you should come back to is asking yourself, this is not something you can hack when it comes to figuring out, okay, I want to stay lean, so what are the best food choices for me to make when it comes to alcohol? The way you're going to stay lean is if you keep in mind that alcohol as a toxin has a domino effect on so many other things in your life, particularly recovery and specifically sleep. So keep in mind that choosing to consume that alcohol because your body's got to work really hard to get rid of it, you are not going to get the best quality sleep. And in not getting the best quality sleep, that will affect your ability to exercise, the quality of your workouts. And again, the results happen in the recovery. So that's where I'd ask you to even think about like, what's your ultimate goal in even asking this question? Um, and if you're listening to this and you hear it and you want to have more of a follow-up conversation around it, please, of course, reach out to me. My DMs are always open, but hopefully that one helps. And then one of the last questions that we received was asking about how to really plan your day if you're working with a coach inside of the Fitness Fix program, as I've mentioned throughout this conversation. We really encourage clients to plan their day in advance because that helps you guarantee that you are going to hit your macro numbers, like to literally sit in your MyFitnessPal, use it like a calculator, change around your portion sizes and tweak what those portion sizes are to be able to hit your goals. If you're a MyFitnessPal user, you might word this as seeing zeros across the top of your diary because every time you put an entry in there, it literally like pulls out X amount of carbs, protein, fat, whatever it is. So we want to get to zero, if not maybe a couple of grams over that, five to 10. So the client that asked me this question to you was like, what are your top tips for guaranteeing that? The number one tip, because I think this is the mental block for a lot of people, is remembering that you are in control of your portion size. Really take a step back and ask yourself, am I eating something in a certain amount? Why? Like, why are you doing that? Because it's usually one of two reasons. One, it might be the very first like entry, the automatic entry for the typical standard serving size that came up for you in MyFitnessPal. So you're not really thinking about it. You're actually letting MyFitnessPal dictate it. Or two, you have certain food rules in your head that you might not even realize. Like, let's say it's something like, oh, I'm going to have a half a cup of rice because that seems like the amount I should have. Well, says who? That's completely relative because it depends what else you ate at other points in your day. So the way to really get and hit your numbers on a regular basis, I think the immediate solution is to just be patient with yourself. Take some time to sit down and really map out an entire day. Think about the foods you know you're going to have, but guess on the portion size that you might have. So kind of like put the skeleton together, let's call it. And let's say you're going to stick, like, know which foods fill the categories, right? Like, know which foods are defined as protein, carbs, and fat individually. And then 
put in some random portion size to get started, but do it for your entire day. Like map out all the ingredients that you know you're going to use. From there, I would take another step and go back in and actually refine that process by playing around with each portion size. And then once you eat it, look at your plate and ask yourself, was I satisfied with this portion size? I have certain foods that I know I really like a lot of, so I will tweak other things in my day just to make sure I can fit those ingredients in. I have other foods that I don't love as much, so I might say to myself, hey, like I know I need to have a few more veggies. It doesn't need to be in like this huge quantity, and I really want to be able to have some rice, so I might tweak the portion size of something at this lunch meal so that I can fit something else in for dinner, or if I really want to have a Yasso bar for dessert because that's something that's a big non-negotiable for me. Do I need to tweak my carbs elsewhere? And that's usually going to be in the form of more of those starchier complex carbs or a piece of bread or something like that, that I will decrease the portion size versus completely eliminate it at all. Um, And that's how I ultimately built my go-to portion sizes. And the last tip I'll share on this, try to eat a lot of the same foods pretty regularly. Less decision fatigue, fewer things you really have to think about. And ultimately, it's going to help you be able to understand which foods put the biggest dent in each of those macro categories. But then also, if you always have the same like 10 foods in rotation, you'll kind of know like, oh, this food's going to really impact my carb budget over here. So if I'm also having this other food that same day, maybe I need to tweak those things too. So if you are somebody who is that involved in tracking your macros, hopefully that kind of helped for you. But to the person that asked me this, I am happy to talk to you about this further as well. And I love that you're thinking about the importance of this and really dedicating time to strategize on this because the time you spend on the front end, and this is where I'll wrap it up, the time you spend on the front end in doing this, then you'll be a couple months removed and it'll be so much easier. Like now today, years later of food tracking, I could tell you offhand, like, this is my go-to amount of egg whites I have every single time I eat because I know the amount of protein it'll set me up with to start off my day. And then I know how to tweak without even actually tracking it and look at what portion sizes make the most sense for me and my goals based on where my exact macros are right now. So it's putting in the effort, putting in the extra time initially to be able to do it that much faster. That's what you're really, you're pushing yourself to create the time in your day to do it so that it doesn't take as much time in the long run. And if it takes less time and it's therefore easier for you, you will actually stick to it in the end. That's everything for today's episode. I'm really enjoying doing these Q&As. So if you guys would like to hear more of them, maybe we should make this a regular thing. Reach out to me anytime in the DMs. Now as we move into triple digits with this podcast, going to continue to solicit you listeners for ideas for episodes. If you've got any guests out there who you think would make a great fish fit for this show, send them my way. And of course, If you think this might be the time for you to finally commit and raise your hand and ask for help, the doors are open for our group coaching program. Again, go ahead, fill out the application in the show notes. No commitment needs to be made up front. It'll just prompt me to reach out to you to have a conversation about it, answer any questions you might have about it. Um, But we're excited for that group to be forming over the course of the next couple weeks. So as always, from wherever you are listening from, thanks for tuning in to episode 100. And we hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day.